Welcome back, everyone. You know what it is. This is the podcast mercenary himself, the Mike for Hire, Christian Joel Ramos. And I'm back at it again with a brand new review of Disney Plus original show, The Mandalorian. And right now we're on episode seven. And where did we leave off? Episode seven is a kind of a brief summary. Uh, it starts off with Grief Karga. He uh, requests the return to Navarro. And he is optimistically chipper which seems a little weird because last time we checked he wanted to kill mando especially after just making this guild look like a bunch of buffoons and all he wants is a kid returned the child return exchange for his bounty to be lifted but the purpose of it is to use the baby as bait and this is how they're going to get rid of the imperials and get their planet back to normal before they showed up and before this bounty was a thing because they're now running amok and things are not how they were before. So the ever apprehensive Mando decides, you know what, I'm going to head down there and fix this now because it'll never stop. They're going to keep looking for us. This bounty business is going to keep going forever and I'm not going to hide from it from these guys. I'm done. So he does. Him, Coward Dune is recruited. He goes back to the planet where uh, he helped that village and Kara's there, and she's, like, fighting people, like, almost like um, underground boxing or some sort of street fighting where she's doing for money. And she's handling herself very well against big dudes. But after the fight breaks out, her and Mando have a little mano a mano, you know, themselves. Not in a fight, but they agree, she agrees to the job for the sole purpose of killing the Imperials because she despises the Imperial because of uh, the war, you know, she was, let's just say, she, they left a bad taste in her mouth. You know, she's a rebel. She's the rebel scum, you know, like she's down with the cause. So, Kara is like, you know what, I was retired, but because of who the enemy is, I'm down. Without hesitation, once this was said before this, she was very hesitant, like, I don't want to go back, I'm retired. Did I mention these guys are Imperial? And she's like, I'm down. <laughs> so... She's done, doesn't want to continue. Mando tells her it's an Imperial. She's got serious beef with them. She's back on again. They land on a planet where the rancher lives, the guy that uh, who has spoken. Our old friend, Quill. The dude might be retired, but he's an amazing engineer. He can fix anything. But who just so happens to be at Quill's house? But none other than our old friend, IG-11. That's right, the bounty hunter from the first episode that uh, Mando shot in the head because he was going to kill Baby Yoda. And Mando flips out. He just grabs his gun and gets in defensive mode. And Quill's like, relax. I reprogrammed him. He's no longer a bounty hunter. He is now a nurse droid to protect the baby. Okay, relax. This doesn't help one bit. The Mando's still hesitant and very uh, paranoid. He's like, his purpose in life now is to protect this baby. He is no longer going to kill the baby. So pretty much he's a servant for uh, Quill right now. But of course, with the hesitation... He's like, all right, if you say so, but if anything happens, I'm taking him down. So at this point, Mando recruits um, all of them because he's sensing a trap happening with uh, Grief Karga. He doesn't trust Grief one bit. And obviously Mandalorian has no sense of chill. He's like, I don't trust that damn thing. His paranoia is to the roof. He's going to keep his eyes on him because like, all right, you might say he's been rebooted, but his initial... His initial purpose in life is to be a bounty hunter and kill. He wasn't made for this. He doesn't have compassion. He's a robot. He's a soulless robot. So 
that's where they left it off. But Kara Dune's like, relax, he's been reformatted, he should be fine. And Mando trusts Kara's judgment because she used to work in the field alongside battle droids all the time. So he lets his guard down and continues on to his mission. So they finally meet Grief and his crew. And as soon as they arrive, they're like, we gotta break daylight and camp out, right? So Karga is there with a squad. And then Mando's like, oh, I seen you brought some backup. And then Karga's like, well, yeah, you brought backup too. Because, you know, they're both not idiots. They're, they're going to come with, you know, backup. You're not going to fall into a trap. But before they realize they have to go such a long distance, because the days are shorter, they have to travel by daylight for their own safety, they camp out. And they're, they're having their typical camp out scene where Dune, Aquil, and um, Grief Karga, and Mandor, and a few others, you know, mostly background characters. They're just talking about what is what their life has brought them to, uh, their service dude. Apparently, Quill used to work for the Empire, right? And him and Cara Dune have a discord because of this, because she fought in the Rebellion, and he fought with the, you know, the Sith and the Empire. Thing is, though, just like any war and any veterans in a war, you're not always a representative of your nation because... You believe in the ideals. You were probably recruited for your skill set and used forth. Ergo, it's not always about sides or good or bad. Sometimes it's the politics behind the wars. So even though, let's just say, for example, um, somebody fought in Nam, and you have an uncle who came from Vietnam as an immigrant to the States later on, like at that point, you know, it's a different cycle of life. Things happen. But this is a fresh wound, though. This is like, we're talking a decade or less. It has not been that much. So I understand the apprehension of having a former bad guy on your team. But Quill is an old rancher. He's lived his life. Plus, he was never a fighter. He was more of the uh, engineering mechanic guy. He was just doing his job because he was told to. It wasn't like the Empire gave people a shot. Either you were... Uh, recruited or you got killed you were either with us or against us that's how the empire ruled the rebellion came about because they got sick of how the empire was running the, the world after they they themselves are rebelling from the pre previous republic so it's it's this whole political intrigue with the characters and like where does your morality stand where do you stand in life and why do we have to trust you or should we trust you because we don't know your ulterior motives, and I completely understand that. McQueel, from the beginning of the season till now, granted he's only been for like on for three out of the eight episodes, he seems like a humble dude who did his part. He doesn't want any money from Mando ever. So we know greed is not part of it. Mando offered him more money to come with this mission, but he did it out of respect for the Mandalorian, not because he wanted to get rich. He doesn't care about that. He already is settled being a rancher with these do-backs and just chilling um, you know, being an old man, like, but his skill set to rebuild things and engineer, it's amazing. This guy helped rebuild a ship. He helped rebuild a bounty droid into a nursing droid. He has a skill set that most empires or any kind of war faction would love to have because he can build anything. He's a very uh, Mr. Fix-It type character. But at the same time, Kara's reservations make perfect sense because she's still paranoid from the previous war it'll take a while before she comes back to uh, her senses considering all of the previous bout they had in you know the last movies or you know within the universe i can say because i don't know she i know she's a shock trooper but i don't know exactly her extent and involvement in like 
was she there in uh, Endor or she, you know, I don't know where she was in Hoff, you know, whatever she was, she was part of something. So at this point, this is the part where um, they, out of nowhere, get attacked by these giant pterodactyl looking things. And I was, not going to lie, laughing my butt off. Where most people are like, oh my God, it's so scary. I was dying of laughter because of all the types of animals they choose to attack, you literally pick pterodactyls. Like, I'm sorry, you just took me out of it. It's like if all of a sudden Jurassic Park crossed over, you know, it's just hysterical to me. If it was like a wolf-like monster, you know, coyote type, that would have made more sense. Or giant lizards. Cool. But pterodactyls and these things can carry the dewbacks like they're literally lifting them up like they're small puppies it's the craziest thing to see this is the part where they head off because apparently this planet is short days the sun goes down quickly and the the dangers of the wild can attack whenever and as soon as they camp out and sit down and have a little chit chat they get mobbed by these things called minox they're like giant pterodactyl like you know alien monsters karga is injured the child uses the force to heal the wound so this is a fun point pretty much how do you expect me to be composure like and not laugh that i don't know why it just made me laugh it's just like and all of a sudden giant pterodactyls at night come and strike right and that's just it's just too much like this is too much but luckily the uh baby child they call the child the baby yoda the child that's what his canonical name is the child i'm sorry for the creator of baby yoda but that's baby yoda until you create the name for the species of what Yoda is. We're going to call him Baby Yoda. It is what it is. So stop with the nonsense of like being this like protective. He's part of the internet now, okay? Baby Yoda is a meme and a gif. And he is one of us. <laughs> so that being said, the child uses the force, heals the wounds of... Uh, he was there like fighting off these things. And of course, Coward's got a heavy gunner. Man, just using his gun. And, um, you know, Grief took the biggest hit of all of them and got poisoned by these things. That's where we get to this point where, like, oh, snap, we didn't pack enough med kits. We're, we're kind of too far to go to a nearby town. And Grief is accepting that he's going to really die. And um, at this point, this is the part where, where the child, once again, uses the force to, like, force push the poison out of his body and heal him. And everyone's, like, finally getting it. Why? This baby's so important. He's got mystical powers that are unexplainable and can come helpful in times of need. So we, they understand it's worth now of this child. So what does Grieb Karga do? He kills his associates. And then Mando and Kara and Quill are all like confused. Because uh, why would he kill your own associates? It's because he pretty much confessed to his original plan. Because he was going to double cross Mandalorian. But the Mandalorian... Well, the child really helped save his life. And so kind of he kind of felt like he owed a life debt. Like, all right, this plan's over. I got a new plan because you've proven your worth to me. And you know how it is. It's like, it's just a respect thing. I mean, if I someone saved my life, I definitely would want to help them out, right? So so Karga has a plan that he pretends that Dune has captured the Mandalorian. So what he do, does, right, is, uh, well, Dune's got a weird rebel tattoo, like tribal rebel tattoo. So it's just, that's a dead giveaway. She's the enemy. So what he said was, I want you to grab like a shirt or some sort of cloth or a bandana and just cover that thing, please. Because it's like enormous, like almost like Samoan size, like tattoo, like this big armband, right? So she covers it up and she pretends to be like working for Karga as uh, as his muscle, since his muscle is pretty much dead now. And um, so 
they take in the Mandalorian with cuffs and everything. And even the child's looking apprehensive. But he's like, don't worry about it. We got this. And um, this is where he asks Quill to go back to the ship. And pretty much him and uh, IG-11 can watch the baby because they want to keep him away from all the nonsense. And in case it is a trap they're going to fall into, at least they don't have... They got something to save their butts, essentially, right? So we get to the part where during the meeting, we meet Moff Gideon. Not Grand Moff Gideon. Just Moff Gideon. So... He's not an admiral. He's like right under that. And of course, this is Gustavo Fring. This is, you know, my man, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, who's like literally in every good show recently. Has anyone ever noticed he's literally like always popped up in near the finale of every great show now? He's on The Boys. He's in the movie The Maze Runner. He's uh, also in an old show that happened a few years ago called The Revolution. That I thought it was a pretty good show. It got canceled early. Uh, he was in The Get Down. I mean, the resume continues perfect bad guy like if you want a smart intelligent intellectual bad guy he's your guy i mean ever since you know gustavo fring and breaking bad this guy's blown up and i've seen him in movies before this obviously he's been in many movies before this but this is the one that like made his career like blow up and stand out because breaking bad changed the way television was made and i love it for that because it gave the american television show respect that it deserved it wasn't just about you know cheap jokes and over dramatic soap stuff it was like literal drama like it was treated like a movie and that's what i love about breaking bad so him bringing that same kind of character into the star wars world phenomenal he's covered in all black he's got a little evil mustache and he looks straight up menacing like the dude's a bad one He's definitely got that gravitas to bring that kind of dark, twisted, demented, smart, intelligent, intellectual, uh, antagonizing persona. So here we are at the moment where essentially Moff Gideon's troops open fire on them. They're in the cantina and they're kind of trapped because out of nowhere, it was going to be a communication with uh, the dude, homeboy, the German guy. I never got his name. He was there talking with them, and they were pretty much just saying, you know, we finally got the child. Uh, right now the child's sleeping because they had him in a, they had the baby crib container thing, but the baby wasn't there, obviously. And um, he wanted to see the baby. He's like, no, no, the baby's sleeping. I'll wake him up. Oh, okay, I understand. Rookie mistake. You always want to look. Sleeping or not, they want to make sure the kid's there in case. But luckily the kid wasn't there because had the kid been there, they would have just killed them and taken him right away. So they don't know his whereabouts, but once they find out through uh, telecommunications that um, essentially that pretty much the child's back in the ship, they sent two uh, scout troopers to, to find them in their cycles, right? In their in speed, speed cycles, whatever the heck they're called, I don't know. So at this point, right, Moff Gideon's troops open fire in the building and kill the client and his bodyguards. They killed their own men. That is nuts. I've never seen this level of... There's evil, and then there's pure evil. This is like, we're here to get a job done. You failed your mission. You're useless to me. Y'all getting sprayed right now. And no one saw this coming. Did they killed those troops. Like, what did they have? Like, is it their fault they failed this mission? Like, my gosh. Like, I would never want to work in this damn army. So, they get wrecked. All of them are getting murked. And then, this is where the, uh, the team of... Uh, Dune and Mando and Quill and IG-11 like 
oh snap, we're, we're screwed. If they're willing to kill their own men, they're going to kill us. But then Mando's like, they're not going to kill us if they don't know where the baby is. But once they do find out, then we're screwed. And this is a serious like turning point. Like Things turn up to 11 because they got the damn the Gatlin guns out. Like it's the, you know, an old Western movie and they're just spraying the cantina and they're trying to negotiate between shots. Like, Hey, what if, can you promise us we'll live? If we just, you know, give you the kid or whatever. And you know, Moff Gideon's like, of course, which obviously means hell no, you're going to die. You've caused enough trouble for us already. So bye-bye. So the two scout troopers, this is where it's getting like really high tension. Creel's back on his speed bike, going back to the ship with goggles on. He's just going fast. And he's got the baby on him. But towards the end, the unsuspecting thing happens. You see Creel get shot down in a very dramatic ending scene. And this whole time, Mando's got his comm link with him. And he's trying to communicate with Creel who's not responding. And it's because he's died. He's dead. They killed off one of the coolest characters in the show, Nick Nolte, R.I.P. He played a great role as this amazingly whimsical Quill character who was just like this elder statesman who wanted to do, you know, things for the greater good to repent for his own past sins. And this was a Deborah Cho episode. Of course, Deborah Cho directed this. This thing was amazing. I mean, this woman knows drama. She knows action. She knows everything. Like, this is two five-star episodes out of this lady. She is going to do immensely well as the showrunner for that new uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi show for Disney+. Plus. By the way, there's going to be an Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney Plus show with Ewan McGregor reprising his role. And probably Caden Christensen reprising his role as uh, Anakin slash Darth Vader. We don't know yet. But if we know for a fact, Ewan McGregor is down and this is going to be his series. It was supposed to be a movie at first. But then they realized, let's make it a series. And I'm glad they're going to do this because you don't want to make Obi-Wan a trilogy. You want to make it a show. Something like this has to be a story that's told over time. And I hope it leads into the beginning of A New Hope. But uh, as far as uh, character building, my gosh, Quill was such a fun character. He was soft-spoken, he was serious, stern, but he meant well. And this is a cliffhanger, guys. That's it. We don't know what happens. The baby's on the, on the, on the ground, and they left us with a fade-to-black cliffhanger. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? So I waited, what, a week and some change for the next episode? Or it felt like that. It felt longer than it had to be. And I was like, damn, this is crazy. So at this point... We have to stop here because there's something more to say. The whole episode was a lot of build-up towards something. A lot of action sequences, amazing action sequences with uh, the uh, troopers, uh, with uh, Mando getting a little bit concussed because he was trying to shoot these guys out and he was trying to act like a hero. And it's hard to do that when, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because you're bold enough to fight troops, but then reinforcements come. Like, it's fine if you got, like, ten troopers, but then the depth troopers come, and then the more reinforcement uh, stormtroopers, and now you got to go back in the cantina and hide. And it's just like, okay, how are we going to get out of here? We are seriously under gun, undermanned, underarmed, and we are cornered, and we're just screwed. There's no way out of this. It's, it's one of those great turning points because we have one episode left, the finale, and 
I'm just pumped to see where this series goes because this is going to be something that's going to be talked about for months. They just, at this point, they've already greenlit season two and it starts airing, I believe, this fall. Plenty of time because we have almost a year from January to the fall, eight months. That sounds about right. That's actually sooner than I expected, so I'm glad to see they're actually giving us a new season so soon because I love The Mandalorian. This is one of the best Disney Plus series made. Hands down, the best one, in my opinion. Uh, one of the best cable shows right now. Technically not cable, but one of the best shows uh, in this point. Because the show's just lit. I love this thing, up and down. It's the fun, most fun experience of you know Star Wars mixed with uh, a Western, mixed with a samurai film. The perfect combination of quiet main character, but then he's got potentially... It slowly gives a personality, but it's built over time. It's not all at once. You kind of have to earn it. It's like meeting a friend. You don't know your friend like the same from like when you first met them or 10 years down the road. You're growing with this character and kind of slowly loving it. Because I didn't go to this show thinking I would love The Mandalorian. I thought this was going to be a down and dirty gutter, you know, Western where he was the bad guy. I literally thought this was going to be an anti-hero story, but it's not what it turned out to be. If anything, it actually humanized the Mandalorians and made them seem like real people, which is what they are. They're just surviving a war. They're just trying to survive themselves. They were killed off by their so-called friends, the Empire, because they outlived their uh, their usefulness to them. And mind you, the Mandalorians are some of the best warriors in the universe. Why would you ever turn down such a great warrior race like this because they outlived their purpose? It's an investment. Keep them on, on deck for anything else in the future. You never know if another war is going to happen. So this is the dumbest mistake on the Empire's fault by being so intimidated by killing them off. I would have given them raises. I would have been like, hey, you stay with us. We'll keep you fed and fully stocked and armed with uh, Beskar steel. All of it. You got it. But alas, the Empire is cocky and full of themselves and narcissistic. So there it goes. So this is it for season one episode seven episode eight will be coming soon but for now i'm just need a little break because my throat is winter time is killing my vocal cords right now so bear with me but as always stay tuned for more cgr media reviews and always because of the show may the force be with you